Three minutes it is now after 8 p.m. And uh, we go into our tech conversations uh, on this uh, Wednesday, bringing to you uh, some of the uh, conversations uh, around exponential technology and, of course, its impact on society every Wednesday here on Metro FM Talk. And today I'm joined by the Managing Director at Altivex, also the author of the book Tech Adjacent, The Exponential Guide to Leveraging Technology for Business Success. And that is Mushambi uh, Mutuma. Mushambi, how are you, my brother? Let's do this, Mushambi. Let's uh, let's get you right there. Okay, how are you? I'm doing well, my man. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yes, yeah, yes, fun. yes. Now I can hear you. Uh, welcome to Metro FM Talk, Mushambi, and thank you so much uh, for coming through this evening. Um, and I want us maybe, you know, uh, when I whenever I speak about, I guess, some of the exponential tech, uh, it's always good. Yeah, it's always good uh, to, I guess, uh, start on some of the foundational principles here. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to some of those foundational principles, we want to know a little bit about you. So uh, what's your background and uh, who is Mushambi? And uh, more importantly, how did you fall in love with tech? Nice one, man. So I'm originally from Zimbabwe. My father is from Zim. My mother's from the Eastern Cape. Okay. Um, and that was my, my upbringing and, and, and my roots. And I, and I spent 17 years living in the U.S. Mm. Um, kind of went on a self-imposed exile at the time. And uh, I think that started my, my love for tech. My dad mm. worked for Apple Computer for a while while I was living that sure. side. And, uh, and I think him bringing home computers and gadgets when I was coming up, I think that rooted my love for kind of all things gadget-related and, and tech-related. Mm. Um, and I've been back in South Africa 10 years now, um, 11 actually, and, uh, and I started a business. Uh, I'm, I'm a tech entrepreneur. Um, I run a, a digital lab called Altavex. Okay. I've doing, been doing that for 10 years, and we build websites, mobile applications, banking solutions, mm. and the like. And uh, yeah, man, that's, that's kind of uh, been my, my entrepreneurial path yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you know f- for me i mean one, one of the most interesting things mushambi where whenever we talk about the fourth industrial revolution in yes. south africa i always go back to a moment during the interviews of uh, the board i think it was for the board or the management team here at the sabc yes and uh, you know one of the members of parliament posed a question uh, to uh, one of the uh, um, sort of interviewees and he said you know we talk a lot about the fourth industrial revolution but what were the key features of the third industrial revolution? Because right. I think yeah, for us to yeah. to know what the fourth is, one would, one would have a, a knowledge from. of, I guess, the preceding three industrial revolutions. Definitely. And more importantly, why some of those are not uh, inclusive, some of those had unequal outcomes, yeah. and more importantly, how we can maybe fashion this one in a different way. For sure. So yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's spot on, man. And I think the the third industrial revolution was primarily a digital one, right? And that was the wild prevalence of of uh, of three G even mm. before we even moved to to kind of four G. The the prevalence of of Wi Fi and kind of data connected businesses. And I think we have elements of that, uh, and we've had elements of mm. that in South Africa. I think it, it goes deeper than kind of Wi Fi and. and and accessibility yeah. to tablets, um, but I think maybe not to the massive rollout as we did in kind of other key markets. And mm. I think that's where people see kind of a disconnect of how all of a sudden did we get to the fourth? Mm. Um, but it's kind of been it's it's a progression, and in certain cases we can kind of see where maybe the fifth is going to be coming sure, and sure. how that's going to look like. But I think it is important to note that the, yeah, there there was preceding versions of this, mm. you know, from the industrial revolution before that. Uh, so I think. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think um, understanding that wh- where we've come from is important to kind of give perspective to where we're going. Mm. Yeah. Well, what is this new epoch? And uh, I'm quite interested in sort of the, uh, how we leverage technology, not just for businesses. Yes, yes. But I think with many of the challenges that we have in this country, yeah, for life one success, would venture to yeah. say for, for social success yes, as well. Certainly. Um, and, and one of the things I've found interesting about the fourth industrial revolution is, is how 
you know, the digital side of things intersects with the biological and yes. intersects, of course, yeah. uh, with the psychological. Yeah. And how, of course, the one we've in all of that is is the use of data, the yes. deployment of that data, commercialization sure. of it, and yeah. of course, the storage of, of it. Uh, what do you make of that? And more importantly, what do you think are some of the success factors that are going to ensure that this particular revolution yeah. has a, a fundamentally different and a more equitable outcome than the preceding ones? Yeah. So I think... You know, and starting with how you ended that, right, in, in terms of, of outcomes and, and access, I think right now the average African child has more access to information than the president did and the United States did, you know, two presidents ago. You know, George George Bush, maybe senior, Bill Clinton. The, African, the, Afri- the average child with the access to a smartphone has more information than he did um, in order to send people to war. Mm. And I think that for me is a massive opportunity is that the average kid walking down the street today, you know, we could talk about access to technology, access to, to education, access um, to tablets and data. But I think that's the amazing opportunity for us right now as a continent, as a particular country, is that information is cheaper than ever before. And it's more widespread ever before, and it's in our pockets, mm. you know. And I think that presents a massive opportunity. And I think that's what excites me mo- most about this next revolution, if you will, mm. is that those doors are going to open up tremendously for us better than ever before. Mm. And I think it gives a voice. It's more than even just access to information. I think the average consumer now has more ability to kind of state their issues and, and to have, I think we're even seeing that, you know, with what's happening on social media this last week is that um, the average person has a, a, a bigger and wider voice than they ever had before. And, and you can speak out to CEOs and presidents of countries and, and tell them how you feel and be actually heard. Um, and I think that, that gives a little bit more power um, and, and, it, and it gives uh, a more depth to our voices than ever before. So it's mm. an exciting time. Sure. And I think we brands and individuals and organizations and, and, and governments need to be more accountable and more transparent with how they do things because mm. of that. Let's yeah. talk about some of the downside risks. Yeah. Because uh, many of these things come with that kind For of sure. risk, right? Yeah. Uh, where other people might uh, potentially see uh, arbitrage opportunities and yeah. opportunities to sort of maximize profit on the back of this newer, more open space yeah, for people to amplify their voices. Yeah, man, it, it, it's, 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 it's spot on that you say that because all day today I've been at the, the AI uh, Expo, the Africa Expo, mm. the largest kind of uh, artificial intelligence expo on the continent. And one of the conversations I was sitting in on today was about bias and privacy mm. um, and security kind of with, with artificial intelligence in particular. So I think, you know, one thing that was trending over the last couple of months was the great hack that Netflix special yes. about Cambridge Analytica and, and how people are using data to win elections. And I think that's something that we need to be aware of. And, it, and it's, it's, it's something that is happening, how we communicate, how people use our data, how they craft that to, sp- to, to put together specific messaging for us is an important risk that we need to think about. And how they use our information uh, for not only marketing projects and messaging, but for you know, more nefarious purposes. Mm. I think it's important to note that that's a new threat and uh, and that's what we're speaking about today at the AI Expo is that how do we then hold businesses accountable um, in those sense in that sense and uh, I think it's going to be it's just one of the key things that we have to think about as technology grows our laws have to keep up um, what we say yes to what we check yes to the T's and C's mm. we have to keep up with those things because they're important we also heard I mean something similar where um, apparently YouTube mm. had come out uh, they've been harvesting data 
of young people. And, yes. and you often hear parents saying, yeah. you know, my, my child knows how to navigate a tablet. Yeah. Uh, they know exactly yeah. how to get to that YouTube video that yeah. certainly makes them happy and gets them all excited. Definitely. And yet there's a, a massive downside risk associated yeah. with that because somebody else is sitting on the back end and harvesting some of that data and making a killing. Yeah. And creating content that leverages your, your two-year-old to do even more. I mean, my two-year-old... Your friend who likes it. Yes, my two-year-old knows how to use my phone as well, you know, <laughs> and my four-year-old even more so. So I think it's those are the things that we have to be awake to and understand that that's the new wave of how corporates are seeing us, unfortunately. And I think we have to push back. Um, and, and what we talked about today at the expo was that we only hear about these things when people are in trouble, when it's been leaked. And Apple just got in trouble for, for kind of collecting all of our data and hiring transcribers to listen into our conversations. City of Joburg this morning, it was released that they've been using some data monitoring tools on on South African citizens. Hmm. So I think those are things that ideally when people share our information and corporations mm. use our information, that it transparency and authenticity sure. kind of go through and they tell us what they're using it for and how and what purposes versus us finding out about mm. it when they get in trouble. Just just for yeah. interest sake, I mean, how has the city of Joburg been using our data? I mean, I, yeah, so I, I literally just yeah, saw yeah, this yeah. on Twitter. I just literally saw this on Twitter that they've been collecting data uh, through cameras um, and through phone records um, for monitoring purposes um, apparently for criminal monitoring hmm. but it's it's been leaked that it might be for a little bit more than that so that story just broke literally this morning at about 10 a.m so mm. I'm, I'm also interested in finding out a little bit more sure, about what sure. that is what what's actually happening there so yeah. so I guess you know I often get a sense that there's two parallels here on yes. the one hand there's the more sort of witting one where you know, you go into a certain application, you you sign the terms of use yeah. um, and effectively give people permission to, to take all manner of information about some of your browsing or search activity right. and activity on some of these platforms. And then maybe there's the more sort of witting where witting meets unwitting where, yeah. where you know and potentially you might not know. Yeah, for sure. And I remember one was the facial um, sort of feature where, yeah. where people, you know, uh, uh, were using this thing that said, this is how you would look in 40 years time yes. or this is how you would yes, look yes, when yes, you were a bit yes, older. Yes, the Russian company. Exactly. Yeah. And what a lot of people didn't understand was that yeah. that was a, a very smart and a very cunning way to mm. be able to access some of your facial data yeah. uh, for future uses in facial recognition yes. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so they built that to kind of teach their machine. Right. Um, that's what it was. It was to because the T's and C's of that particular face application gave full rights and privilege to use any of your photos in your entire album. So more than the pictures that you just kind of selected. Wait, to see, wait, wait, yeah, wait, wait, everything. Wait, 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 wait. Please <laughs> say that again. Wait, wait, wait. Right. So if you look at the, the in-depth T's and C's and there's a couple articles about it. Mm. So once you said yes and you said access my photo library that you gave that company, that app company, that Russian app company, full rights and privilege to use anything in your entire photo album for whatever they see fit in the future, um, basically all privilege to your photos. Whoa. The entire album, not just the pictures you selected. And that only came out a couple of days after everyone had done it. I mean, I did it. See, we, most of us did it. Mm, right? mm. And that was the implication of the T's and C's, right? And then they're just shrugging because they're like, well, you said yes for this Instagram challenge. And these are the consequences. And so ideally, hopefully they don't use those for nefarious practices. And at minimum, they just use that to train their AI algorithm. Mm. Um, but who knows, right? But we've yeah. already given that information. And I think that's the, that's the tricky part is that when we give away our data – at 
the minimum level, it's about convenience and access, right? You like that when Waze pops up when you leave the studio sure. tonight that says it's going to take you 15 minutes to get home or 20 minutes to get to your next meeting or on Spotify that this is the playlist and song you're going to love or Netflix, this is the show that you know we know that you're going to love. We appreciate that. Um, but then it's a fine line of where they take that a little bit further, mm, right? Mm. Um, beyond a little bit of convenience and the more entertainment aspect and say, cool, we'll know you like this product and let's mm. market it to you. But what about when we start creating political messages because we know that you're predisposed to maybe sure. thinking about this political party and this social issue this way? That's where there's a little bit of a blurry line and a slippery mm. slope. Yeah. Let's take a look at something else here that's being raised on Twitter by uh, one of our listeners here, Zwilicha, saying, when will Africa benefit from the fourth industrial revolution rather than just merely being consumers and following behind many of the inventing nations? Uh, what's the industry? What are some of the job opportunities? And I think a lot of us yeah. tend to have the retail sort of um, consumer-facing conversation sure. when it comes to this kind of stuff and the application conversation without yeah. really saying how do we then create an entire ecosystem of industry behind the development of the software, the yes. development of the apps themselves, yeah. and uh, moreover, even the development of uh, the uh, hardware the as well. I mean, hardware, how many sure. smartphone factories do we have here on the continent of Africa? Yeah. Unfortunately, very few. But I mean, one of the things I try to touch on in, in, in my book, right, is that we still, while we might be lagging behind in certain areas, there is African excellence today in a lot of key in, industries, in robotics, in AI, in, in mobile money and e-commerce. We're world leaders in, those, in, in that regard. Um, and we don't often tell enough of those stories. When we think about excellence and 4IR, we only go to Silicon Valley, we go to Tel Aviv, we go to the West. We don't say, where, where's Wakanda happening today? Um, a good friend of mine, Adam Pantanovitz, runs a research unit at Vitz, mm. right, that connected a human brain to the internet 18 months ago. No one knows about those stories, mm. right? No one tells those stories. There's a young Nigerian woman who used, she started a business, uh, I think, eight years ago, connecting um, soccer balls and using the kinetic energy stored there to kind of power um, solar lamps for kids, right? And she won a Bill Gates Prize a couple years ago. She moved to the U.S. Now she's using that same technology to power cities because she's learned that the kinetic energy when we drive our cars over a road every single day can also be stored and repurposed. But why are we not commercializing that stuff and building industry yeah. on the back of that here i think the there's little pockets of markets that are growing and it's i think it's firstly rewriting the narrative because those some of those things are happening right they're happening mm. in nigeria they're happening in ghana some of them are happening right here in south africa rwanda is another amazing case study for technological growth so it's rewriting the narrative and saying they are amazing people doing things on the continent so we can't say that it's not happening, maybe uh, not to the scale that we want, sure. but I think there's pockets of excellence that we need to rewrite that narrative and say, we're doing amazing things right here at home uh, um, that are world leading, right? 95% of payments in Zimbabwe last year alone were mobile payments, Yeah, yeah. right? Um, we eco talk cash. About, yeah, mm. we talk about eco cash, mobile money. Mm. We talk about the negative of why that exists because there's no cash and there's a collapsed economy, mm. but that's a case for financial excellence. In the world, Zimbabwe, right? Yeah, the only yeah. country in the world that could transform 100% to a fully blockchain economy is Zimbabwe. Mm. We're the closest in the world to, to getting to that. Because of the, just the quantum of the remittance flows that exactly. come into that country. Because so many people are outside the of that country. the current situation yeah. and the user adoption rate to using mobile technology, mm. right? We, we could literally go in there and swap it tomorrow and actually have tremendous success. We don't talk about that element, right? We talk about the bad of Zimbabwe and mm. the economy, but we don't talk about the transformative elements that exist. So I think 
we have to continue to and, and start shifting those elements and our perspectives on these things. Sure, sure. Yeah. Let's pause there. Let's pause there for a second, there, my brother, and uh, uh, just uh, quickly take a spot break and uh, continue my conversation with uh, Mushambi Mutuma, who's the MD at Altivex and also the author of the book Tech Adjacent. Uh, on the other side of this brief break, we're also going to take a look at, of course, his book there, and uh, more importantly, some of the other, I guess, uh, interesting uh, innovations that he thinks are going to be game changers and groundbreaking on the continent. Give us a ring. Love to hear from you. Give us a ring on 089-110-3377. Also going to continue to check out some of those tweets. So do send them through. And on the other side, we uh, take a look at uh, those tweets and we take some of your calls. It is uh, after 8 p.m. Let's uh, try that again. I'm in conversation with Mushambi Mutuma, as the MD at Altivex and the author of the book Tech Adjacent, the Exponential Guide to Leveraging Technology for Business Success. And, uh, you know, Mushambi, before we went to the break, I guess we were talking about the entire value chain of technology. Yes. Um, and, and one key element that uh, I think uh, we still need to speak about a bit more here in South Africa yes. is around, you know, creating one, the baseline infrastructure yep. for all of us to participate in this uh, economy, which in essence is a digital one, yeah. or increasingly is becoming a digitalized economy. And more importantly, what that implies from a skills perspective and the kinds of investments that we need to make in our communities, in our municipalities, in our streets, and everywhere else where we find people. Yeah, no, definitely, man. It's, it, it's, it's spot on, man. I think one of the questions I get asked a lot in that reference is, are, are jobs going to be replaced or mm. whose jobs are going to be replaced? And I think the reality with, with automation and AI and 4IR is that some jobs will will be replaced, right? Um, but a lot of jobs will be augmented and supported. Um, a lot of basic skills will be supported by technology because technology's core job at the end of the day is to make our lives easier, better, simpler. And I think if we think about in that regard, it makes it easier to kind of swallow. Um, we do need more infrastructure. Data needs to continue to fall. We need to have more people connected than ever before and make that price next to none mm. for these things to work, for 5G to actually work. Um, but I think for me, there's massive opportunities because things like education are going to dramatically change, right? Um, a lot of tech companies in the U.S. and across the world no longer de require degrees for people to be able to implement high-level jobs. For me, that presents a massive opportunity. Mm. Things like coding. We can train kids and, and unemployed people um, faster and cheaper than ever before instead of saying that they must enroll into a three-year, four-year university, mm. right? And equip them immediately for available jobs as software developers and technicians and the like. So I think that's a massive opportunity that we actually have a one-up on el elsewhere in the world where we've mm. got more people um, than ever before, right? Like literally the African child is the employee, the consumer of the future. Um, so I think for me... Like yes, there's some there's some things to worry about sure, and some things sure. to be concerned about. But I think the long term opportunity is that the rest of the world is already seeing the value mm. there, and I think we need to see that value as corporates, as individuals, as educators, as governments in particular. Um, so I think yeah, that investment is key, man. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the other thing, Mashambi, that uh, I guess you would be more familiar with than many many of us is is, is this issue of the rise of the prosumer, mm. uh, where on the one hand I'm at the same time, a consumer and also a producer yes. of whatever I'm interacting or consuming. Sure. Um, and you see it. I mean, uh, you know, many people, certainly in the States, would have seen this with Ikea. Yeah. Some of those beds where you buy the bed, you need to assemble it yes. yourself. And everybody's taken that model across yeah. the globe. I yeah. mean, if you think about many players in, in the furniture space who've taken the same thing and they say, look, I'll give you this thing in a box. You assemble it. It's really up to you. Yeah. Um, and... Many of us, in effect, are doing labor that we're not familiar with. I mean, yeah. you get an iPhone and it's 
to be frank with you, very empty. Yes. There's nothing in, in these things. You have to upload all the apps. You have to really tailor make yeah. your own experience. Yes. And all of that is labor. You, yeah. You're doing work there. You might not necessarily be compensated for it. For sure. But at the end of the day, there's a sort of a growing and emerging function there. And I guess a merging of this line between um, you know, a worker as a producer mm-hmm. of things that are valuable and consumers as people who pay over the counter to receive some of the value that's been created there. What are the implications of that yeah. uh, for the issue of inequality, least of all here in the most unequal society in yeah. the world? I, I think um, in some elements it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow that gap for the people that, that, that don't get on board or the people that don't understand or don't be, get, get familiar with some of these technologies. I think that's spreading. But I think, like you said earlier, my, my, my two-year-old knows how to, to use a smartphone. So <laughs> it might be growing for some audiences, but um, the future of my child is that I, I know that you know 16 years from now, I don't necessarily have to worry about sending mm. him to university. He's got a massive opportunity to learn and, and, and craft and use those things as sure. a prosumer um, now as he grows up by the, so that by the time that happens that the opportunities are going to be mass faster and wider than you and i had Mm. right so i think there's some downfalls and and, and some risks there but i think the opportunity at the other side is much higher yeah and i think the the opportunity if you're a business person or 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 a, a director in a company or an entrepreneur the opportunity right now is to think about consumers in that way right is that that's how they consume media and content right is that even on social media that's probably where we see the most pro prosumers if you will is Mm. because we get a product and we immediately start talking about it or we start showcasing it right so it might not be all the way to creating your ikea couch or table but as soon as i go get a new pair of shoes or a new car or or listen to a show i'm talking about that experience i'm sharing that experience and i think thinking about that part of consumers and how they interact and and use our products and use our services is something that a lot of our businesses aren't thinking about locally Mm. and and, and converting them there right and leveraging that information and that voice and that opportunity right now so i Mm. think Every, in all these regards, we could talk about the negative, we could talk about the positive, but I think at the core, it requires a mindset shift yeah, um, yeah. about the, the true opportunity of all of these things. Yeah. Let's just talk, uh, just as we wrap up, unfortunately, yeah. uh, we're out of time. They have a few more minutes. Uh, just briefly about, I guess, um, some of your work in the world of facilitation and conveying of insights and yeah. teaching. And I you know, want to use that in the traditional sense sure. of the word. Uh, and of course, also your, your book that uh, you've put out here, uh, which I, I'm certainly quite interested in and still reading, I must say, yeah. uh, that Exponential Guide to Leveraging Technology for Business Success. Yeah, Talk man. to us about that. It, it's a bit of an intimidating and a mouthful. There's a lot of English there. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> right. Exponential technologies. Mm. But I think for me, uh, the idea of being tech adjacent is is being next to. Mm. Right? Being adjacent is being close by next to. Technology is impossible to keep up with. I do it every day. That's what we mm. do as a business. We build technology. Um, even today at the AI Expo, half the stuff that they talked about today, half the people in the room as practitioners of AI didn't know about. Sure. It's brand new stuff. So technology is impossible to keep up with, but we can be next to it. We can embrace mm. it and being alongside it. And that's what I try to teach to people is that technology is actually quite simple. 4IR is actually quite simple when we simplify it, right? Mm. And it's just about making life easier, better, more efficient. That's all it is. Technology is a tool that human 
human beings have always used, all the way from writing on on a cave wall um, to you know using a, a, a chisel and, and a hammer to 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 write. That's all technology up until today, and our phones and our devices mm. um, and Adam's brain connecting internet. Right? Um, it's just a tool that human beings use, and that's what I tried to do with the book and with my content: is simplify it mm. and then contextualize it. African stories. It's the entire book is on African stories, African case studies, African examples, because I think when we learn how to use these things and try to leverage them, when we hear about what's happening in Silicon Valley, it makes it an us versus them situation. And when we contextualize it and say there's amazing people doing things now here, then it says, OK, I can actually do that. Mm. If I'm a young kid in Google Letto, I'm like, OK, he did it there just down the road from me. I can also do sure, that. Sure. Um, and that was super important to me is to give that context. Mm. And so that's what I try to do as a speaker, uh, as a facilitator. I do that in corporates. I do that mm. at universities. I just try to share kind of tangible, practical, relatable insights with regard to tech and innovation. Because yeah. I think by simplifying it, we make it easier for all of us to swallow. Awesome stuff. Mushambi Mutuma, pleasure having you here in studio, my brother. And uh, wish you all the best uh, in the work that you do at Altivex and, uh, of course, uh, in uh, that uh, book, uh, which I'll uh, certainly uh, try with uh, haste to uh, try and uh, finish there but it's uh, a pleasure having had you here in studio and uh, uh, having had you here on Metro FM Talk thanks man I really appreciate it awesome stuff that there is Mushambi Mutuma he's the MD at uh, Altivex and uh, also an author there speaking to us as part of our tech conversations